Hi guys, uh, welcome back to the An Indian Mummy podcast. Um, today's episode is going to be a little bit deeper um, than some of my previous podcasts. Um, it's taken a while for me to kind of get to this point. I think the aim for me when I started this podcast was for it to be really personal and so I could talk about my own experiences and hope that people could relate and reach out and just have this community. But I think what I recognised is that I wasn't prepared for how much emotion would come flooding back about that time. And not just about being a mum, not just about that time um, and after that, but actually what shapes you as a person and how I got here, who I am and, and what makes me the way that I am. So it's taken me a little while really and I've needed to do some healing and I'm still on a healing journey but I'm definitely ready to talk about um, my experiences as a new mom, and hope that it resonates with a few of you if you're feeling that way and haven't really kind of been able to voice it or put put your finger on exactly what it is that you're feeling Um, because that's definitely how I felt and hopefully if it doesn't resonate with you you've not experienced that and you know I would say that it's the last thing you want to have as a mother on top of all the other struggles it has so many high points and is the best thing for most women that they've ever done Um, but for some unfortunately it, it is too much and I think it's just really important to realize that no one is immune from those overwhelming feelings of feeling lost and and scared and unsure. But I think your network around you, your previous experiences, your own childhood, and ultimately your health, you know, your mental and your physical health has a big bearing on how you cope as a new mom. Um, So hopefully, um, once I get talking, I, I won't be too emotional I hope because you know I've had those moments already passed and gone um, but I'm sure it will bring up some really deep feelings of um, I suppose memories really of that dark time so yeah a little bit about my pregnancy I absolutely I remember the day I found out I was pregnant it was very strange I'd come home from work and um, I just had a feeling Um, There was no reason, there were no symptoms or anything that, you know, would have made it really obvious that I was pregnant. I think I was only a day late of my period, but there was just something in me. I thought, "Mm, I'm just going to do one. And I, you know, as women, most of us are probably, especially when you're married, got a spare pregnancy test in your house just in case. And thankfully, it always comes up negative when when you're not expecting or or wanting to start a family. Um, But yeah, so did the test and obviously the positive line and even though I knew it was real I did have to think actually before my initial reaction was pure happiness albeit surprise I was ecstatic and knew that this was no matter what had gone before this was everything um you know not pinning my hopes I'm not one of these women that pins my hopes all on a baby or anything like that but in that moment I felt it and I was just so excited for the future um so but I had to like kind of double check and I was just about to have a shower actually so I think I left the test on the side and I had a shower and I don't even know what was going through my mind during that time 
probably all of 10 minutes, but it felt like an hour. And I got out and I remember looking at it and thinking, okay, this is real. So I left it downstairs kind of in the hallway. I don't even remember, but I just left it somewhere that my hubby would not kind of be expecting to look for anything, but he would see it on his way in. And I just remember him finding it and just coming in and saying, is this real? And I was just like, yeah. And he was just obviously so excited. And following that, it was fine. I mean, I had really bad morning sickness for like two weeks. So at that moment, it really hit me. And I thought, damn, you know, like actually this is a journey. It isn't going to be plain sailing. Um, I don't know if my body can do this. I don't know if I can do this um, because I have no idea what's in store. So at that moment, I thought, okay, this is bigger than me. This is like a real thing. This is mother nature. And I suppose at that point, I started to think I need to like research, you know, do a bit of a bit of reading, a bit of talking or fact finding because you know the nausea wasn't really going away even all the things that the doctor was telling me to do and I thought you know there's always like these old wives tales and tricks and you know people saying well I used to have like ginger biscuits or ice cubes and to be fair um you know a lot of them work so um I remember kind of at the start not really talking to too many people about my pregnancy because we just wanted to make sure that we were at the 12 week mark before we got too too happy about anything because that was always on my mind that I didn't want to um kind of celebrate too soon and I think that also stems from childhood um of not not feeling worthy I suppose of the good news so which I've never expressed to anybody but I think deep down you know a lot of people are scared about how the baby is a lot of it wasn't about I was concerned about the baby if anything I knew the baby was okay because I just felt such a strong connection that I would know if something was up. Obviously, I wouldn't be able to tell if there were abnormalities and things like that. But in terms of how I felt within myself, I felt good and I felt very comfortable in my pregnancy. Throughout all the stages, I really didn't suffer at all. But my mood really did go up and down in terms of my anxiety and my fear of like the unknown. And I think that really it stemmed really from my very early pregnancy of feeling like I had a responsibility to make sure that this all went well so as time went on um you know we told my family and we told my husband's family and there were and there still is um lots of difficult family dynamics as with every family um and especially Asian families it's always uh interesting and difficult at times between relations Um, And I'm really not one for actually normally caring about those sorts of things just because of previous experiences. But I don't know what it was about me being pregnant. I'd almost had created a tiny fantasy in my head that potentially this would change some relationships or improve some relationships. Um, So in time, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm, I'm working as a nurse and it's really full on. It's a really busy year at the, you know, in the hospital that I'm in. And... I'm working, you know, near enough full time, 30 hours to 40 hours, um, depending on what how I felt and what I could pick up. Um, and then, you know, coming home and maintaining your life, you know, going out, you, you know, you, you're pregnant, but, you know, you, it's not an illness. So you carry on as normal, you know, your responsibilities to other people as a daughter-in-law, as a daughter, as a granddaughter, as a niece and, you know, as a cousin and all those things, all those things that you are to people, you know, and everybody's so excited for the baby to come. And obviously no one's more excited than, 
your immediate family and and your and your spouse um but then there was always an undercurrent of the baby actually won't change a lot of things the baby can't change a lot of the family dynamics and I think when you're the one who's carrying the child when you're the one that feels there is nothing more important to me than this person that I'm creating it's very difficult to understand how people can be very black and white um and I think at that moment is when I should have walked away and I should have put my foot down and said I already know what is best for my child but I don't think I felt um sure enough I don't think I had the courage and I didn't have the the assurance that actually I was definitely going to be making the right decision I think I always worried because of my own experiences growing up that I didn't want my own personal feelings to impact how my child was raised and the relationship that they would have with our families um, and our friends and our community so I kind of bit my tongue and went against my natural instincts and as time went on instead of me really embracing the fact that deep down I was feeling very powerful and I was feeling very womanly and actually it was probably one of the best times in my life carrying my daughter um there was nothing that I felt as a woman I couldn't do and I just felt pure love every day and I still do to this day and I just think when you feel those intense feelings albeit not sugar-coated you know not glamorized I mean there are women out there and I am so aware of those women and I could probably say that I've had those days too more more than maybe I care to admit where it doesn't feel like all love it just feels like pure hell Um, but I know women have gone through that in pregnancy and I've really wanted the end result, but I'm not enjoying the process that their body's going through. But I was just so blessed. And that's all I can say is I was blessed that I felt all those things. Um, so I suppose maybe that made up for how I felt after. So when the time came um, to have her, um, it was natural. Um, and it, I felt it was traumatic. It wasn't necessarily physically traumatic, although I would argue that it was. Um, I went into labor. um, I think it was like a week or 10 days prem, um, which, you know, obviously is not really classed as premature. Um, I remember I was out with my friends for like a brunch, um, just a little brunch, not far from my house. But I just my my mucus plug had gone before I went to see them kind of mid-morning. And I knew that was the start of the process, but I didn't really know how my body would be reacting. And I just remember feeling off and I remember feeling peaky, but not in my stomach. And then I came home and then I kind of started, my labor must have started overnight. And then I kind of like, you know, in the next day kind of did the usual, like had a bath. I think I was started labor on Friday. So my husband was off and it was a Saturday, but it was all a whirlwind and it was all, it was all a blur. And it wasn't until Sunday um, morning that obviously I had her. So it was just a very long 48 hours, which I know is really normal for some women, um of kind of uncertainty and and agony really so I was 10 centimeters when I got into the hospital on the third time because they sent me home a few times which is fine I had her um, a birthing center midwife birth center um which I chose you know and they're really great at their jobs and to be fair they knew the signs but 
you know, the first time I went in, I was four centimeters dilated and the nurse was quite surprised because I didn't look in that much pain, but I just did not know that that was my labor and my contractions were never regular. Um, I went home and I just felt like actually every time I kept going back in, it was closer and closer and they just kept saying to me, we're not going to check you because you're not ready. And it wasn't until the third time I remember I was in my living room and I just said, I think I'm going to have the baby here. And my biggest fear was not me giving birth. I could do that I knew that that was a job that I had to do I just felt bad for my husband that he would have to do some some of that alone and how scary that must be for somebody to have all that responsibility because I didn't know how I would be if I was to labor at home in my living room whether I would lose blood and pass out and he'd be on his own with this child so I really just wanted to get to the hospital so I just said to him if we don't go now I don't care if they send me home you know it's gonna come out here um, it took me like 20 minutes to get in the car. I remember it was snow and icy that day. Um, uh, we had like a, a, a Mercedes A-class and it was really like hard to get into because it was really low. Um, that whole journey was just, yeah, it was, uh, it was slow. It felt like the longest journey ever. And I remember as well having this vision of myself as I've seen on Instagram and all those reality programs that we watch where I was going to kind of at least get a bit of makeup on, maybe a bit of tint maybe just throw my hair in a messy bun and put on some like decent joggers like nice matching set or at least nice pajamas when I tell you that I actually looked like Chucky the Clown I am not joking I had the furriest weirdest sort of gilet slash coat I think I can't even remember but it was not flattering um with I think no bra and like some kind of a top underneath or a vest and some stripy pink grey pajamas from like George Asda that my grandma-in-law bought me and I was like you know what these would be good she was like you know they're a big size and like I'm sure they'll be all right for you while you're pregnant I was like oh it's all about comfort you know I'll just wear these around the house well they were the ones that I went into hospital I did the dreaded walk of shame with no wheelchair because we couldn't find one walking that one mile that it felt like towards labor the labor room and you don't care at that point I just thought I am going to die I felt like I was going to die but I just knew I had one goal which was to deliver my baby safely um so yeah I would say it was pretty traumatic it felt really traumatic um and after it is right what they say you know tea and toast is beautiful but a sleep would be nicer at least preferably 24 hours and the problem is when you go to a birth center they have a quick turnaround because obviously most births are low risk so I was home within realistically probably 12 hours so um we brought our daughter home um and we kind of did you know we had some immediate family over before we got home just to kind of get some food in and kind of get the house ready really um and then you know you settle baby in and it's really nice because you've got a few people around you and obviously baby's down in the crib and everyone's staring at it and you know if it was to cry they'd pick it up but you know actually there comes a point where then you've got to feed that child and you've got to um interact with that child and get to know that child and I suppose those are the times when it's difficult to do that when there's lots of people around because actually you don't know that person you don't know that child that you've just given birth to just like they don't know you inside you're carrying them you feel like one but when the baby comes out 
I don't know, it, you just, it, it, there's still a separate person that you, you need to bond with and that skin skin and just holding them and just for them to feel like they're near you. You know, they don't need to be in other people's arms. So, you know, I think those strong feelings of wanting that baby with you all the time is, is there still as evolution, as a maternal instinct. But naturally, you know, I didn't want to feel like a baby hugger. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, all these people that were there for us that love us had time with the child. Um, but looking at it in hindsight, that's not always the best thing for you or the baby. What's best for you is having that time and space to adapt to your new lives and then people coming into it when you feel ready and comfortable, um, which is something that I think me and my husband would do differently if we were to have another child is be braver saying, do you know what, we think we're fine thank you so much for the support we don't doubt that you mean to give us love and attention and support when we need it but but we will try our best and let's let you know if we need anything um I think that's fine but it's not always easy to have those conversations in Asian families there's sort of a power struggle at times between the patriarch um I'm not even sure if that's the right word but you know the patriarch or the matriarch of families you know, it is for some Asian families, I even feel like for some women, they give birth to the child and that child almost becomes property of the family. Um, It's not necessarily, you know, you're just the vessel. And that is not the case in in what happened with me. Um, But I know that's still a thing for a lot of women that feel slightly pushed aside once the babies come out because, you know, they've done their bit. But ultimately, you know, as I keep saying and advocating is that child just needs you as its mother to look after it um, because that's that's your that's it. That's all it knows you for. And that's all it knows that that you are the person that it needs. Um, So, you know, along with kind of that emotion of, you know, birthing your child and bringing it home and then sort of the first or second night where you're on your own um if you live on your own which we do um we didn't have anyone stay over with us you know it's a lot to navigate and a lot of it is sleep deprivation and feeling worry out of sort and just for me general anxiety I did not realize how bad my anxiety was when I had my daughter my anxiety wasn't obvious to me because it was in everything that I did but I would argue that my anxiety anxiety was made worse by situations that were not not of my concern. So I think when you have a child, you have a right to kind of go into a shell and just concentrate on that and that only. You don't have an obligation to worry about other people, especially adults, because they can look after themselves. The only thing that is the most vulnerable and the thing that needs your your time and support is that baby and I didn't really take my own advice on that really um which is kind of what led to my sort of downward spiral in my mental health after giving birth to my daughter and like I said you know your upbringing and how you are mentally and physically pre you know pre-child and you're in pregnancy has a big impact to play but you know nothing can prepare you for how you feel after nothing can prepare you for how your body and your mind can mess with you as to what you feel you can do and what you can't can and can't do it's nothing unless you've had a child before you're not going to know that um so on one hand you feel like the most powerful 
person in the world because you've just birthed a baby but equally you remind yourself that you feel awful and tired and drained and you can't do it all so you just take baby steps um and and take it day by day but unfortunately for me I've always had kind of a balance between my own needs and possibly concerning myself with maybe my duty as a daughter that that kind of impacted how I was behaving as a mother I don't think I was fully able to give myself to the motherly role because I was also trying to navigate being the type of daughter that I needed to be if that makes sense um and that's quite difficult for people to understand and again it's really difficult for me to talk about it and put it in some kind of context without naming names or going into specifics because I'm conscious that people that I may be talking about um will have a very different view to my version of events which is absolutely fine everyone's allowed their opinion and everyone's allowed their version of their truth but All I would say is that there have been some times in my life when I haven't really coped with stressful situations and my circumstances as well as I would like to have because there comes a point where you can't continue to be in fight or flight mode Um, and I think that's what happened when I had my daughter. I was very happy about having her but I wasn't very happy about having all the other pressure of everything else but I just didn't know how to say no I didn't know how to say do you know what this is not important for me right now I don't need to worry about so and so I don't need to worry about this that and the other I just need to concentrate on my baby and you know actually I am having a rough time of it and I'm not enjoying it as much as I thought I would and there are times when I just want to say you know what can somebody just take this human away from me and bring her back to me when I've had a good rest all of those things don't make you a bad mum don't make you a bad person they just make you honest but it depends on who your audience is when you're saying those things out loud. If you have a supportive network, if you have somebody who's been through what you've been through, who can um, see your pain, who can understand, who can support, then those conversations can be a lot easier to be had. Those conversations um, can flow in a way that you feel supported at the end of them. Whereas if you have people that don't know how to process your trauma, don't know how to process your mixed feelings, mainly because they don't know how to process their own feelings, you are left in a situation where you are more confused than you ever were and no better off to any solution in helping you find a way to navigate motherhood as a new mother. So for me, there was a lot of trauma. Um, Unfortunately, you know, kind of, it's a double-edged sword when I was of an age where I was at university and I was in my 20s I was very independent and kind of didn't need you know a lot of people around me to support me living my day-to-day life um you know have really great family really close family amazing women and men in my family who without I would be nothing but at the same time you know really independent and advocated for myself and live my best life really as they say And then I think as I was pregnant, you know, I kind of became maybe in an idealistic way reliant on some people that, you know, I would need them or that, you know, post-birth that we would do this and we would do that and almost felt that if I behaved in that way, that would come true. 
but the reality is people don't change that often leopard doesn't change its spots as often as we would hope it would um and I think a lesson is actually if people can't change for their own children or their immediate family um they're very unlikely to change for your kids um because if anything that's not necessarily their concern um it's your concern because that's your child so I think I've come to realize that um a few years on that there was a lot a lot going on in my postpartum journey of which I have to say my husband was probably one of the greatest supports that I've ever had with his patience and his um his listening ear trying to navigate why all of this was going on and I was feeling all these awful things when deep down we were happy we were really happy about having our our daughter um and it's just really difficult I think a lot of this conversation echoes that if there's trauma previous trauma or ongoing trauma i.e volatile relationships domestic violence emotional trauma um whatever is going on or has been going on a baby doesn't change those things if anything it complicates the situation so as women we need to be brave and speak out and say we can be mothers but we can also advocate for that for ourselves and actually we can say no we can say we don't this doesn't fit in with the plan with our plan you know coming from an Asian family an Indian family like I said my family aren't overly traditional on my side of the family my husband's family is slightly more traditional than what I was used to but but so much more relaxed than a lot of families maybe than some some girls that I speak to where they they struggle to have that boundary um but even then it's hard because actually you don't want to you don't want to um offend people you don't want it to seem as if you're not happy with their support that you're not appreciative of their support but at the same time some of the things that people do even though they love you can be damaging can be harmful if it doesn't sit right with you if it doesn't feel right for you if it doesn't fit in with your ideals and the way you want to live your life and ultimately you know having a child I feel is one of the the most it's a very lonely experience because it's something that only a woman can do on their own. No one else can really understand what it feels like that whole journey. But then you want to share that journey with people and you want them to be around as much as they could possibly be. But at the same time, you don't want them to take it away from you that it's your choice. It's your child. It's your body, your decisions. And you know that, you know, best for your child so, you know, it's really, it, it, it's a really difficult conversation. It's a conversation that I kind of want to open up more to the floor there. You know, I'm conscious that I don't have, I don't have like episodes coming out every week as I kind of hoped I first would, because a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about, I realized as I was talking about episodes, it's really difficult when you're talking about people that might be within your circle that might have upset you that maybe you would like to not for that not to happen again for you to kind of know that in future you would change the way that maybe you approach things and conversations with other women that are expecting because of that it's really difficult to be really open and honest you know when when you don't want to offend people 
Um, but at the same time, it's really important to be honest, because actually somebody needs to say, actually, it's not okay. It's not okay to gaslight. It's not okay to coerce people. It's not okay to bribe or manipulate situations when a woman is vulnerable and when a woman has had a baby. Um, I mentally really struggled with trying to be a really good mum, be a good wife, um, be myself and then also be something to my extended family because I wasn't really that before I had my daughter. But somehow having... (coughs) Having... A child almost was like an opening to being able to be judged, being able to have people talk to me about things that actually I didn't want their opinion on, being able to have people judge my parenting style or my my dress sense or my work ethic or my financial status, you know, and that's not the case for everybody. But if you come from possibly a, a family or have people in your lives that don't know boundaries sometimes they can get blurred. So I suppose what I would like to know is have any of you experienced this? Are you pregnant? Have you been pregnant and you're not anymore? Have you had a baby? And have you had people who are family, who are friends, who you do have a great relationship with, who you do love, but have almost crossed that boundary, that invisible line of having something say or commenting on your circumstances as if you ask for their opinion. And have you found it hard to say no? Have you found it hard to say, I don't agree? Do you still find it hard? Is it still an ongoing battle? I think these things are really important for us as Asian women or any any of us, but especially Asian girls, South Asian girls to say we're not living in the village type scenarios of extended families all living together where we need to be conscious of how we act because it's going to impact other people. We have our own houses, our own money, our own cars, our own lives, our own savings, our own bills, our own problems, all the things that we we want we we get and that's the same with the child we have a child when we want a child not because we have to so therefore people's opinions are really futile and and not necessarily needed in the grand scheme of things but we take them on board out of love and respect for those around us but at what point do we want that respect given back to us at what point do we want our kids to see that we're respected as the women of the family, as the daughters, as the aunties, as the sisters, at what point do we want that representation that our opinion is important? And actually, that we might know more than the elder of the family, of our fathers, of our of our mothers, of our grandparents, because actually, we're educated. And there's just that power struggle and that's what I struggle with. Um, there's also not just a power struggle. You know, power struggles are one thing that probably happens in a lot of families, I'm sure, with elderly relatives um, and parents. That's just something that you come across in all walks of life. 
But then there's also an element of the narcissistic qualities where there's manipulation tactics, gaslighting, coercion, almost underhand bullying within families. And I think, you know, I don't know many normal families who are perfect, but at the same time, I will argue that I don't equally see people outwardly saying, you know, my parents are narcissistic. And this is what used to happen to me. Um, this is why I was like this, because it's certainly other, you know, it's something that's kept secret or maybe just not discussed about in a way that people even realise that it's going on. And, you know, I'm proud to say there's a lot more education out there now for people to know when there's emotional signs of abuse you know emotional abuse is just as bad as physical you know telling people if you don't do this and you don't do that this will happen that will happen you know there's 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 things such as suspicion and things such as um superstitious behavior and you know um jinxing and all those things that sort of hang around in asian families like oh you must do this when the baby's born or you must do that when you're pregnant or you must eat this or you must do that those things are fine if they're just said and then left and then people are allowed to make up their own minds but when it's kind of trying to gain control over that woman and her vulnerability at being pregnant or just having a baby to try and get them to do something that you almost feel they should do that's where you I feel we draw the line to say no you know we're not living in 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 that era anymore we, we're allowed to make our own decisions and what's best best for our kids you know and I will argue that we're we're raising a generation of children that are questioning even parents to say well actually why are we doing that why why do you do that is it because you've always done it or is it because it's best for us and best for me you know having conversations about mental health and feelings and not dismissing them as nothing having conversations about what it means you know to feel good and bad things what it means to have boundaries what it means to say no what it means to say this is my body this is my mind this is my future you know my daughter's only four and I already advocate that she is her own person and she can make her own mind up and my main sole job is to educate her and keep her safe not to live her life for her um and I can't can't say that I felt the same as I was as I was growing up um and that is partly why I'm doing this really um, to raise awareness that it's damaging. It's damaging to us and it's damaging to our kids if we do not question and change the way that our culture is in regards to women and children and the childbirth process and the conversations about pregnancy, postpartum depression. It is all very well brown faces being out there and saying, oh, you know, postnatal depression's awful you know we give a little money to charity no in your families how do you behave in your families do you go round and do you pressure the women and the men of your family when they're newly wed and say oh gonna have a kid soon you know those are kind of conversations that people need to hear isn't it about being in love isn't it about being decent adults that when they're ready they will bring a child into the world not because it's something that they should do and that still happens you know, and it, it's very difficult and it's going to take a long time to change that. But if we can do that one by one as women, you know, I'm in my 30s. <clears throat> so I now have a daughter of my own who I know will not suffer the same fate 
because I don't feel that that is her burden to bear. If we can start doing that to our brothers and our sisters who may be, you know, nearing teenage ages or nearing marriage age and re-educating them to be actually, you know, it's not going to make you happy trying to do what mum and dad says because actually mum and dad, as awful as it sounds, don't know everything. Um, Grandpa and granddad didn't know everything. They just did what they thought was best and actually didn't always work out for the best because actually... If we look at our own family, there's a lot of skeletons. There's a lot of lessons that could have been learned if people had listened. You know, it's about not just doing things for the sake of doing them. Um, and I really advocate that we have these conversations openly and honestly. And I know that, again, I haven't... It's really difficult for me. I don't really want to go into too much detail about people that are I'm still in contact with and people that are in my life that have had negative impact on me because I'm slowly learning to deal with that and heal in my own way to a point where I don't allow their actions to get the better of my mental and physical health for the sake of me and my child and my family but also acknowledging the fact that enough is enough and there comes a point where you know that you're right you know that what you're doing for your child and for you and for your immediate family is is okay and is right and you can say no um so my postpartum depression journey is still ongoing um I didn't really recognize that I had postpartum depression I don't think it was probably until I was due to go back to work a year after my maternity leave I'd basically just hid in my house and as long as I was with with my child I was really happy it was when I was surrounded by other people um namely Asian people and most of those my own family did I start to feel the pressure and the anxiety of wanting to be something that I didn't know whether I was being it or not but didn't trust my instincts that my child was happy um and I think that just stems from a lot of childhood trauma too so at that point I realized that I'm not coping um I didn't know then that it was because of my feelings towards certain members within my circle I thought it was because I wasn't coping because I was going back to work and you know all those things that you get told that this is normal but I just knew something didn't feel right and I wanted um I wanted to feel better so I sought help and I think the GP just thought how can you possibly be depressed um postpartum a year on it can't be postpartum depression, it must be something else. Well, it's not that straightforward and it's not it's not um, ever that clear. Um, so I just remember him putting down, you know, query postpartum depression. And I didn't care. I didn't care what label it was given. I just knew that I'd carried this burden for far too long. And I had sought help from different organisations when I was at home. But it's really difficult. If you have no support which I won't say I didn't but I had limited support um you can't go to counseling sessions or go to therapy sessions or go to support groups with a baby they don't allow you to take the baby with them because it needs to be a safe space where you can relax without them so you can't go um telephone conversations you know emailing chat all those things don't really get into the the crux of how you're really feeling and all those complicated emotions so I remember just sitting there for a year navigating these feelings talking to my husband about and realizing as enough is enough went to went to my GP and got myself sorted and went back to work and you know had a had a you know had a slow journey of getting back to my normal self um and then um I think then I felt better and I and I just came off my medication I think I probably was on it for two months 
you know, my mood lifted and I felt like I was back to my normal self. Um, but as time has gone on, I've realised that being a mother is a journey with your child. You As you evolve as a mother, as your child grows and you evolve as a mother, as you grow up and you learn more about life. Um, and that's really important that you are able to recognise that. And there are different parts in your life and different times in your life when you need to heal from different things because a lot of the time we store trauma away so as I'm now getting to an age where my daughter's four she's discovering her own self her own mind she's talking back she's got her own opinions she tests my patience she wants things that maybe I don't want her to have because I don't particularly like them she wants toys that I wouldn't particularly buy but she likes them it's about navigating what actually how was I raised was I constantly told no and is my tendency to lean towards that or is my tendency to lean the other way and to give her everything that she wants because of fear that I'm going to be treated the way that I was treated and remembering all those negative feelings that come with it whatever it is you have to undo that trauma yourself and block out that you're going to be that person that you didn't want to be when you were being brought up and and I think um finally just kind of leaving it on the point that I'm trying to make really with this episode is that I think the reason why I got postpartum depression wasn't because I wasn't happy being a mother and wasn't happy having this beautiful child in my life it was navigating all those feelings of trying to be everything to everybody um that you kind of maybe do unconsciously before you're a mother and then having the added pressure which feels like pressure at the time of then being a mother to this human being um, and wanting to do it right. And for me, the overwhelming pressure to do that right and to do it the best I could without really filtering out all the things that I needed to let go of prior to possibly being pregnant or during during my pregnancy, it, it almost built up to kind of a lot of pressure and a lot of different circumstances postpartum um and I know that women will have depression postpartum depression just plainly because they're exhausted from being a mother there's lots of lots of reasons and and no right or wrong as to why it happens to women um but there's normally also some element of uh lack of support or maybe previous mental health that's maybe not been dealt with there's you know we're complex beings humans and it's never just black and white that oh I feel really sad because I've had a kid it's you know having a child doesn't necessarily mean that it's awful but it it is awful in some sense that you're sleep deprived your body doesn't feel your own your hormones are everywhere you're um, irritable you know you feel like you're losing yourself all those things alongside all the amazing positive things that happen every day when you see your child grow um, but it's about having the right support network around you and about you having that mental and physical stability to deal with it all at the time and if you've got ongoing or unresolved trauma in your life that's probably not going to help so my message really is just put yourself first um don't feel you need to have an answer as to why you're doing things for you and your child um you know you you know yourself best and for all those women out there who have gone through traumatic childhoods um for whatever reason 
whether that's physical or non-physical, emotional, um, psychological, you are stronger than you realise. Um, and if you can have a child and bring a child into the world and survive all the things that you survived up, up till now, you can you can literally do anything. Um, and sometimes I have to remind myself that on a daily basis, but then I look at my daughter and look her in the eyes and realise that I've done that. I did that um, and I am doing it um, and you're doing it too um, you know and it's so humbling to see that actually we are learning and we are educating ourselves in this generation as we go along about how to learn from generations gone before about the things that we we do and don't want to repeat um, and there's nothing wrong with that and people that love you unconditionally will want you to do that because they will know that that's best for you and your family um, so yeah if you want to reach out by all means after hearing this if anything's triggered you or we just want to open more of a conversation just remember that you know you're not alone there is a, a wide community of um Asian women out there, Indian girls who are very much British but very much going through a struggle of, you know, balancing culture and duty and ideals with their own wishes and wants and their own needs. Um, and we're doing that the best we can and we don't always get it right, but the main thing is is that we're trying. Um, and I just want to say, you know, uh, be strong and I'm proud of you all um, and I hope that you've enjoyed this episode today and I look forward to sharing some more with you soon thank you